for this particular day, man, a Sunday, and what we're talking about. So if you were here in the Sunday, in the earlier hour, uh, we talked a lot in detail about man about it. I just want to kind of recap a little bit of that, not all of it, but just kind of the main points. So man of worldwide, as you can see from this video, we're all about meeting physical needs so that we can meet the best, the biggest need, which is the spiritual need. And think about it. Some people are, are so poor. And when I say poor, I mean desperately poor. Making a choice between buying clothing or going to the doctor or buying food. And, and it's a daily, day in, day out situation like that. And so all the, most of the places where we have any kind of ministries, we have 160 ministries in about 60 plus countries. Uh, so we have a lot of things going on. But in every place, the situation, the circumstances are about the same. People are extremely poor. And if you could somehow imagine that you as a parent or a grandparent couldn't feed your children, I don't think any of us can really imagine what that would feel like. We would be, we'd really be torn. We'd really be upset about it. But if, if in your despair, someone came and said, listen, we got a program right down over here, right down the street. We'd like to invite your children, your grandkids to come. We're going to feed them a hot meal every day. It won't cost you anything. It's a free program. But we'd like to enroll your kids in that. Also, when they come and, they, and we feed them, if they, need, uh, if they have some kind of medical need, if it's something we can help with, we're going to address that. If they need a pair of shoes, some clothing, uh, then we'll, we'll help with that. And we're just going to love on your kids. Now, we're also going to teach them stories out of the Bible. We're going to teach them Bible verses and songs about Jesus and God. And we just want to love on your family. And folks, if somebody did that for you, fed your kids when you couldn't, whenever that person spoke, you would listen to what they had to say. You would, you would think, these people cared enough for some reason they don't understand why. They come and feed my children to help my kids, to help my family. And folks, we call that the ministry of word and deed. The word of God which changes lives and doing good things to be a blessing to people around us. When you combine those things together, you have the ministry of Jesus and you have a powerful way of sharing the gospel. We don't require them to come to church. We don't require them to make a commitment because you can't require somebody to get saved. Amen. But we do present the gospel, and we just love on them. And you know, unconditional love is what drew you and me to Jesus in the first place. It's that unconditional, no strings attached. Yes, we want them to come to Jesus, but we're not going to require that because you can't. But it's an irresistible grace that comes to them. And so we do that in the form of nutrition centers where we feed children. As you saw in the photographs, we have children's homes. You saw some of those. We have classical orphanages in the, in the sense of a lot, a lot of kids and kind of a caretaker staff that work in shifts just to keep the, you know, work with the children. And we have family homes where it's a mom and a dad and up to so many children, some of their own biological as well as children they've received guardianship of that raise them up as one family unit, which is what those kids really need. We have programs to, to rescue uh, orphans and those who've been kicked out or aged out of the orphanage systems who are actually prey on the streets. They're on the streets with no, no one to help them. We have homes to bring them in and help them find themselves and find a place and a family that will help them uh, come to know Christ. And so that's, that's what we do in a nutshell. And we're here specifically today for Manna Sunday to, to encourage you as a congregation 
to join together with Manor Worldwide and seeing a new, brand new nutrition center in Duras, Albania uh, come to fruition. This is something that we've been talking about and, and uh, uh, praying about for about a year or so now. And um, I was in Duras last, last uh, summer. I went by and visited with Sazon and his sweet family and just fell in love with them and with the people in their congregation. I know some of you know them. Some of you have been to Albania. How many have been to Albania, by the way? Okay, great. So this is something we've been talking about for a while. And so we're at a point now where we're, we're wanting to, to raise funds as God provides to be able to start feeding children, Albanian kids, so that it would enhance their ministry and help them to reach new people. And uh, there's just a lot of good benefits to it. So manna does this. We're not, gonna, we're not going to uh, high pressure you. We're not going to encourage you to do something that you don't feel led to do. We want to encourage you to do what God wants you to do. That's always the best route. Amen. So let me tell you a little bit about me, and then I want to jump in. If you want to go to Psalm 41, I'll be there in a minute. Um, my name is Jerry Abbott. You've already heard that. My wife, Ruth Mary, and I have been married 45 years. I think we were seven or eight when we got married, so you can figure out how old we are. Somewhere around there, you know, give or take a little bit. Um, we have seven children, four sons, three daughters. We have nine grandchildren. The oldest is uh, seven, and uh, the youngest is, what, four. So they're all young. They're, they're, they're little guys and gals. We were ministering in Hungary, as Pastor said. I do know how to speak Hungarian. I wasn't speaking in tongues, but it was a tongue, but not those tongues, okay? Uh, so God prepared us over the years uh, planted a church in Arkansas. We learned a lot of things there. Went to Hungary, planted a couple of churches there. We learned a lot more things. And then every time God has transitioned our ministry, which has only been three times so far, uh, every time God gave us a, a bigger platform or a bigger opportunity for more potentially greater results. You know, pastoring in a small town in Arkansas was a great thing, and God really blessed us in ways uh, I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine. And going to Hungary, we had a little more experience under our belt, and we were able to assimilate and learn the language. And, and you know, God did some amazing things there. And then when it came time for us to transition once again, God gave us the platform of manna worldwide, which is phenomenal. Now, I, I don't get paid for manna. They don't pay me a salary. I raise my own support. I have supporting churches. I have friends and family that support us. And that's what we do so that we can feed more kids. Uh, so that they will get the money and not, not paying salaries. But with Manor Worldwide, it gave us opportunity to go and be able to plug in the areas that are so needy. And it gave us an opportunity to be able to reach more children and more adults and just more people in general. And it's a phenomenal thing. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that maybe at the end. But let's get into the message. I want to talk to you about being a blessing. Uh, if you want, yeah, you got it up there, Psalm 41, if you go ahead and throw that up, please. Is that up? There you go. So Psalm 41, the first three verses of Psalm 41 say this. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. You know, there's over 300 verses in the Bible that talk about the poor. A lot of amazing promises related to helping the poor. And um, people all over the world need help. I mean, right here in America, right here in your city, 
There's people here that are hurting. Maybe it's not because they can't eat. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why people are hurting. But there are people here that, are, that, are, that need some help. I guarantee you they're all over the place. Now, they, I, I read somewhere, I mean, the Bible says the poor will always be with us. No matter what we do, there's always going to be some we can't reach or help. The poor will always be with us. And I read somewhere that the population of this, this planet we live on is seven point, I think, four billion or three billion people. We've done math for three or four billion. That number for me just, you know, I don't really, I can't figure that out. But I do know this. This makes sense to me. Every eight seconds, a child dies from drinking dirty water somewhere in the world. Every ten seconds, a child dies from hunger-related causes. Hunger is the number one cause of death in the world. If you were to add... Uh, AIDS, HIV, AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis together, hunger, malnutrition, kills more kids every year than that. In addition to hunger, there are issues, other issues. Abandonment, neglect, um, uh, abuse, uh, sex trafficking of innocent children. We have some programs in place in Europe to try to avert children from ever going through that nightmare. Um, we have a lot of programs that we're, we're trying to stop that. I remember I was visiting in our, we work with a lot of Roma in, in Romania. And I remember being there one Sunday night about several years ago. And uh, the, the pastor's son, grandson was sick. And his dad was holding him. And you, you know how, he was three, three, four years old, little boy. You, remember, you know how kids are when they're, when they're sick. And he was just kind of melted on his dad. You know, his dad was holding him. And, and I reached out and touched Reuben's arm and it was just burning. I said, what is wrong? They said, well, we think he has hepatitis. And I, I learned then that in that Roma community, they didn't have access to fresh water. They'd go and get water out of a ditch or, or anywhere they could find out, a mud puddle. And, they would, and there was a lot of problem with hepatitis. Now, they, they took him to the hospital, and he was okay. But my eyes were open to something I was totally unaware of. And God enabled us to drill three water wells. One in that community and one in two other communities. One community was a small community, but they didn't have any fresh water. They had zero. So we had a well made there for those folks. And then a couple other places. We have a well in our Manna Nutrition Center in that, in that town that we use, you know, for our kids and the feeding and all that. <clears throat> but it's also available 24-7 to the local community. They can come down and get a bucket of water anytime they want to. And you'd be surprised. Isn't it amazing how, how we don't even think about water, Right? I mean, you go to the refrigerator, you can get some, you can buy it, you can turn on the tap in most places, except maybe in uh, Michigan, and get fresh water. <laughs> if you're from Michigan, it is what it is. Okay, so. <laughs> is anybody going to be waiting out there when I leave? <laughs> but, I mean, we just take it for granted, right? That we have clean water. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think it's going to make you sick. But most of the world doesn't have it. I didn't even show in our previous pr presentation. We have a water ministry. It's called Water of Life. We're down in Central America. And they've drilled hundreds of wells and given away free clash water, free, free, ah, clean, fresh water to people that need it. And it's a, it's a, it's a huge blessing. So there's just all kinds of opportunities out there. And while most of the world, 56% of the world goes to bed hungry every night. And while most of the world goes to bed hungry, here in the Western world, and that's us, we're living in luxury. 
We're driven by excess. We want more and more and don't even appreciate what we have. We're, we're in a bubble. We either don't care or we don't want to know about the suffering of millions of people. We live in luxury. We spend to excess. We throw away more food than most families have to eat. We go out to eat in a restaurant and we've got food rotting in our refrigerator at home. That's not right. That's not right. The, there's just so much going on. That's the world we live in. So I just want to kind of give you, in the next few minutes, uh, a um, kind of a, a snapshot of our culture in America. Okay? Now, most of you are you know, as aware of this as I am. But just a few things. And I want to use a few statistics, if I can, to, to kind of get my point across. And this won't take very long. I like statistics, so I think everybody does. I know not everybody cares for it, but just bear with me. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this. So everybody knows what Black Friday is, right? So that's the day that you want to lock your doors, pull down the shades, and don't go outside because somebody's going to run over you with a shopping cart um, or something. But last year, Americans spent in 24 hours online $5 billion. And that wasn't even the total. I mean, it was closer to like $10 billion for, for, for Thanksgiving or for Christmas spending. Christmas spending last year was, was over eight hundred thirty. Billion dollars. Some uh, some uh, financial analyst said Christmas has become synonymous with materialism. Do you think? Now you know another ho- another uh, 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 holiday, so to speak, that's that's gaining a lot of momentum is Halloween. And so Halloween spending, and regardless of where you're at, where you're at on Halloween, doesn't matter. But spending on Halloween stuff last year was eight point four billion. Which included $350 million for costumes for pets. Man, I could feed a lot of kids with $350 million. I could drill a lot of water wells. And Americans in last year spent about $23 billion on pet food. Now listen, if you've got a, a pet, a dog, I'm not getting on your case really. I'm giving you a picture of our society as a whole. I'm not pointing you out or anything. Don't get angry or upset about this. I'm just kind of giving you an idea. Now, I threw this last one in kind of for fun because I, I was curious what, how many shoes the average American owned. Now, obviously, there's two categories here. <laughs> Men and women. So the average American man owns 12 pairs of shoes. The average American woman owns, are you ready, 27 pair of shoes. So now if you don't have that many shoes, lady, you have my permission after church to go out and make yourself average, all right? So just, uh, <laughs> just saying, whatever, whatever you need to do. Every year, one million children die from foot-borne illnesses. They don't have shoes. They have no access to shoes. They go barefoot, and there are... Little uh, things that get up in their feet. They're called hookworms. They develop into hookworms. And they will kill that child in short order. That's why we've given away tens of thousands of pairs of shoes to children. We go, in fact, when we go next month, we're taking like 200 pairs of shoes with us to give away to kids and, and adults that don't have shoes. See, this is a world we live in. It's a sharp contrast between 
complete selfishness, greed, and dislove of money, and the teaching of Jesus to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. To do unto others what we would want them to, to do unto us. To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to feed the hungry, to set the, the prisoners free and shelter the homeless. That's what we're called to do. That's our mission. It's a contrast between building our own kingdom and building God's kingdom. You know, um, I don't know who wrote this, but it says the kingdom of heaven in the person of Christ living inside us is potent and powerful. We have that in us, the spirit of the living God. And he moves us, if we will allow him to, to be a blessing to people around us. That's part of our purpose. That is our purpose. That's why we're here. You know, and while this is true, I'm just talking about society, but unfortunately, some of these attitudes have came into the church. It's my first visit here, so I, I'm not saying anything about your church, but just in general, again, some of these attitudes have crept into the church. Some people have allowed the love of money and things to take first place in their life over Jesus. And as a result, it's sometimes not ended so well. It ended in uh, division and debt and sometimes divorce and sometimes other terrible things. But we have to learn to be a channel of God's love and blessing. You know, if you want to be a blessing, I mean, there's people, you probably know, there's people that when you're around them, they're like positive and they're, they're you know, high energy and you just like, you enjoy being around them. And when they leave, that, wow, that guy's a blessing. And then there's people that when they leave, you say, that's a blessing. You know what I'm saying? So don't point, don't point. But we are here, folks. If you're, if you're a Jesus follower, if God is living in you, your purpose among many, but overall, your general purpose is to be a blessing to people around you, to encourage, to lift up, to help to minister to, to serve. Jesus was the king of all kings. And he came as a servant. We're supposed to follow him, right? He's our example. So we need to be servants. And we need to find a way to make this happen. So just to become a channel, you know, let God's love and blessing flow, flow through us. Matthew 5, 16, one of my favorite verses, says, let your light so shine among men. And by the way, it says so shine, I think. I don't know what it is in the Greek, but I think it means so shine is more than just shine. Amen? Does that make sense to you? So let your light so shine that people, men will see your good works and they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And when we're doing compassion ministry, that's exactly what happens. They, they, they see Jesus in us. They see the love of God in us. I remember when I was a little kid going to Sunday school and our teacher told us this an acronym, J-O-Y, joy, Jesus first. Others second, yourself. That's kind of a radical idea in our me first generation, amen? But, but that's the way it ought to be. So here, I want to give you some benefits. I'm just now, I just finished the introduction. So I want to give you uh, four benefits of being a blessing, okay? This is going to go fast, so just uh, stay with me. Um, so the first one is that you'll be obedient to the Scriptures. So... The Bible says, and I'm just going to quote you a few verses. I don't have these on the PowerPoint, but Luke 10, 27, you know this. Love your neighbor as, what church? As yourself, right? 
Deuteronomy 5.11, God told Moses, said, you will open your hand to the Israelites. He said, you open your hand wide to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. In other words, you're to be generous, you're to share. Uh, John 15.12, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I, what church, have loved you. Right? So there's many, many others, but we don't have time to look at all of them. But if you reach out and help other people, if you be Jesus to them, then you will be obedient to what the Bible teaches in an overall sense. Number two, you'll be blessed. Now look, look at uh, in our text, he gives us seven promises. He says, blessed is he that considers the poor. And then he gives us seven benefits for the one who's, who's trying to be a blessing. Let me just run through those for you. Number one, God's going to deliver you from trouble. Ever have any troubles? Yeah. God's going to deliver you if you're, if you're being obedient in this area. He said, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you alive. You're going to be blessed while you're on the earth. You're going to be delivered from your enemies. Anybody got any enemies? We got one big one, amen. Old Slewfoot, the devil. He would like nothing better than destroy you or disable you from your testimony. And he says, God's going to give you strength when you're sick, when you're on your bed of illness. He's going to raise you up. He's going to give you strength in times of suffering. Those are some pretty powerful promises. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 35, Jesus said this, It's more blessed to give than to, what church? Receive. Now, when I was a young Christian, and I'm kind of smiling when I say this because I was pretty naive, uh, I thought, Man, we don't have anything to give. You know, I, I wish somebody would give to me. I'd say it would be a bigger blessing if somebody would give to us because uh, we were just, you know, just my wife and I and young and, and experienced and all that. But I understand at least one reason why it's a blessing to give because that means you've got something to give. You have an excess. You know, we have the basic food and shelter that God promises us and clothing. But I'll tell you, I don't know what it is at your house, at my house. We've got way more than bare necessities. Way more. And why do we have that? To be a blessing to somebody else. So we have to look into that. So, and I love this verse, Proverbs eleven twenty five: The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Now, this is the only time when it's a good thing to be fat and, and liberal, okay? So, uh, but I like this verse... <laughs> He's saying, God's going to be generous with you. That's what he's saying, okay? You, you know that. If you, if you help others, God's going to help you. That's the way it works. And so, you know, we'll be, we're blessed. I mean, these are some of the promises God makes when it revolves around helping others. Whether they're poor or needy or just if they're down and outers or up and outers. When they're in times of crises, when they're hurting for whatever reason, and they need a, a true believer to come along, a Jesus follower, and to minister to them and encourage them in some way or do something to help them. That's when Jesus is in us the most. So, number three. Uh, if, you will, uh, if you're involved in this, then you'll be a more efficient steward of what God gives you. You know this verse, Luke 12, 48. Unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be what? Much required. I've been given a lot. I mean, God's blessed me. He's been so good to me uh, in all kinds of ways. And I, you could probably say the same thing. If God has blessed us, that means that the resources that we have that are under our management, they're not ours. They belong to God. They came from His hand. 
We're just re, we're managing them. Sometimes we're good managers. Hey, sometimes we're not. But we want to do our best. And so if we follow these principles, then we can, we can be more effective in managing the things that God has entrusted into our care. Uh, here's another powerful promise, Proverbs 19, 17. He that has pity on the, upon the poor lendeth. Notice that word, lendeth unto the Lord. And that word Lord there is in capitals. That means Jehovah God. It says, and that which he has given, the giver, will he, God, pay him again. Did you catch that? <laughs> you say, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to give them this. Or I'm going to do that for them. And then God's going to pay me back. Now, I don't mean he's going to send a check in the mail. He might. He could. He has. You know. But I'm just saying God watches. And if we are going to become a conduit. In other words, when God blesses us and we have a little extra, if we find, you know, and God raises an opportunity for us to help somebody in some way, it doesn't have to be money, by the way. In fact, it, it doesn't, rarely is it money. It could be. Sometimes it's time, sometimes a little bit of energy. Sometimes it's, you know, just sitting down and sitting with someone and talking to them or listening to them. That's a ministry. That's being a blessing. But whatever it is, Whatever we do, whatever we expel, expend in, in blessing someone else, God fills us back up. And so you're either a conduit, you're, you're, God can flow through you with these blessings and you're spreading them around, or you're a, you're a reservoir and you're just hanging on to everything. Now, I'm not saying neglect your family. Obviously, I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm just saying when we have a little more than we have to have, sometimes it doesn't seem like it, right? At the end of the month, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But God blesses us. And even especially when we don't have enough, and God says, I want you to, and we do, and we sacrifice. You think God doesn't notice that? You know He does. I was in a restaurant uh, in New Mexico a few years ago. I'll never forget this. And we were there, and uh, I was with the pastor who had been in church, and we went out to eat lunch. And this lady came up, and uh, the waitress and I don't do this very often. I've only done it two or three times. And I don't know why the Spirit of God just said to this, to, for me to, to this uh, waitress say, uh, Hey, man, uh, we're, we're going to pray for our meal here in a minute. And could, is there anything that I could pray for you about? She said, Well, yeah. She said, I'm a single mom. i got two little kids. And, I mean, she just really was, you could see it on her face. She was, she was pretty distressed. She said, I've got two little kids. And, and our, uh, our rent, my uh, utility bill's coming up here. And, and just like. It's already past due. And so, let me back up just a little bit. I was in another church some months before that, and on the way out, somebody gave me $200 bills. And if any of you have any of that, and you want to do that to me when I leave, well, no. <laughs> somebody gave me that money, and so I just tucked it away, put it in my wallet, you know, in one compartment. Guys do that, you know, we have little compartments in our wallets. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And I, and I thought, man, maybe I'd take my wife out for a nice dinner or something. So it's just been in there for a while. And as soon as uh, that lady said that and we prayed, the Spirit of God said, just really convicted me. He said, Jerry, you know that, that $200 I gave you a few months ago? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, God. I, I don't remember that. <laughs> that didn't work, okay? But I knew. And so, long story short, um, after everybody was done, the pastor went to pay. I took that money out and I just stuck it under the edge of the little table thing there so she'd see it. And I went out to the car. I never saw a lady again. The pastor said, 
he told me later, he called me, he said, what, Jerry, what did you do to that woman? She <laughs> said, she came out to my car and she was crying and, and everything. And I said, I didn't do anything. You see, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be convenient. It's not going to fit in your schedule. But it's the right thing to do. You know, it can be a little thing. It can be a big thing. And outside of God, it doesn't really matter. It's what we're supposed to be doing. Helping other people. Treating them, if I was in their shoes, or if you were in their shoes, treating them the way you'd want to be treated yourself. Right? So, we have to do that. So, the, number four, and this is really the most important, is you'll be pointing, if you're doing this, if you're acting like this, if you're living like this, you'll be pointing people to Jesus. And that's what it's all about, amen? Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's what we want. And when they see your good works, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. That's what we want. And that's the way we do it. That's what we have to do. Is it easy? No. Is it convenient? Usually not. I was, uh, it's, just, it's just tough. I want to tell you a couple stories about some of our kids and some of our, our ministries. And just to kind of let you know that there is a huge need around the world. And I want to encourage us and myself. I have to tell myself this all the time. You know, I know we're busy. Everybody's got a schedule, especially during the week. You know, you're running, you're doing all this, and you got all kinds of things going on and responsibilities and stuff. And when something happens, you're like, oh, man, I, I don't, you know. I was driving not long ago, coming back from somewhere, and as, I, as a general rule for years and years, I just, I don't pick up hitchhikers. You know, I just, I don't know. Sorry if you're a hitchhiker, but I, I'm probably not going to pick you up. <laughs> but I, I saw a car parked on the side of the road, and there was like a kid sitting at the back, sitting down, leaning up against a car. And I, for some reason, I thought he was praying. or I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. I went by there, and as soon as I was on the phone with my wife, and, and as soon as I drove by there, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And I mean, it, I didn't hear God out loud. I'm a Baptist. I'm not sure I could handle that. But, <laughs> but I heard the voice of God, just like you've heard the voice of God. I, you do not, you always recognize God's voice. You may not want to sometimes, you know what I'm saying? But you know when it's God. And I knew it was God who said, Jerry, you need to go back and help those folks. So I turned around. I hadn't even hardly gotten turned around. And the devil came in. Boom. It's like, Jerry, what are you doing? I mean, how do you know that they, I mean, maybe they're just staging a breakdown and they're going to mug you or something. I'm like, gee, that's a good question. I don't know. So I called my wife back because she's my prayer warrior. Uh, if any, if any success or anything we've been able to do in ministry is because of my dear wife. She is a prayer warrior. She's not able to travel, but I mean, she is always praying for me. And so I said, honey, here's what's going on. Stop the car. I'm going to stop by there and just pray, you know, that nobody, you know, everything will be okay. So anyway, stop. Sure enough, there's a guy and his son. They'd been at church that morning and uh, were trying to get home and they'd been sitting there for a while. So they just need to jump. So I hooked the car up. We're jumping it off, just chatting a little bit. And I asked a little, this little boy, about 10 years old, I said, um, were you sitting at the, behind the car a little while ago? He said, yeah, I was. I said, well, uh, what were you doing? He said, I was praying. I said, what were you praying about? He said, we've been sitting here for over an hour. And I was praying that God would stop somebody to help us. So I was there maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. 
And I'm glad that I listened. I'm glad I didn't listen to the devil. I didn't let him distract me or detour me. But I'll be honest with you, there have been times when God said, you need to, you should do this. And I was too busy. And I regret it today. I'm just saying, we all have, if you're a Jesus follower, we all have the Spirit of God in us. And living in us. And when God gives us those golden opportunities. Be listening. Be aware. Be available. Because that's when God wants to show himself. In someone else. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven we thank you.